It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Last week, Kylian Mbappe told Paris Saint-Germain of his decision to leave the club at the end of the season with Real Madrid, the expected destination. But as their superstar departs, what next for PSG? And who should they sign to replace Mbappe? I'm Ayo Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Great feet by Mbappe! Oh, what a goal! Well, he might be a Galactico next season, but he's the toast of Paris tonight. Brilliant feet! What a finish! Kylian Mbappe! With us today, we have the author of Do You Speak Football, French football writer and broadcaster Tom Williams, as well as the Athletics, Carl Anker, who's also an author as well, let's not forget. Right, let's get into Kylian Mbappe, Tom. Look, can you just be honest with me? And I don't think I'm wrong in saying or echoing the thoughts of many football fans here. Is he actually going to leave Paris Saint-Germain this time around? Well, he is. Um, Obviously, it hasn't yet been... Officially announced, but you know the club have confirmed it to the journalists who, who they speak to, and I, th- I think the most telling thing is that you know Mbappe himself has not denied the news, and, and and the club hasn't either. So, you know what is happening at the moment is they will be talking about how to officially announce things, and I'm sure that when that time comes, it will all be done very slickly with some, you know, kind of social media video or something. But, I mean, you know, we we have been here so many times before with Mbappe when he has seemed destined to leave and we've all been convinced that he was about to leave only for him to stay. But this time, I think it really is it. I mean, obviously, you know, never never rule things out in football as, as the cliche goes. But, yeah, I think, I think this is it. Carl, just before we started the pod, we were thinking of, potential destinations and yet again nothing's been confirmed but Real Madrid seem like <laughs> they've potentially maybe kind of got their man potentially maybe kind of sort of footnote one asterisk this is <laughs> very tiresome isn't it Tom right we've been doing this since the day Kylian Mbappe won the World Cup we've been talking about when is he going to join Real Madrid you know, he, he was he was likened to the original Brazilian phenomenon Ronaldo uh, and Ronaldo played for Real as well as Barcelona and whatnot. And it was always this story of he's got the World Cup, he's going to get the Champions League one day, then he's going to get the Ballon d'Ors, and then he's going to become one of the greatest players of all time. And we've been stuck in this holding pattern of him at PSG for a while. And even now, we're talking, saying maybe he's going to leave PSG. But I think the thing with Mbappe is there is always more money. And that feels horrible to say, but there is. I, I got the sense in the last contract extension, the two the two year bonus, which was just Mbappe very much seemed like he was going to go Real Madrid, and then PSG right at the last minute offered him life changing generational money, not just for him but his entire family. And I think we're in that situation again, where it looks as if he is gone, and it looks as if everything's been teed up, waiting for him to go to Real Madrid. Okay, is he going to play in the number nine? Whatever. But there's always the case that PSG or another club somewhere could offer Kylian Mbappe what I can only describe as a dump truck full of money 
and he changes his mind. I would be extremely surprised if the summer doesn't end with Mbappe standing on the pitch at the Bernabeu with a, a white shirt in his hands. Um, you know, as Carl said, uh, there has been a relationship between Mbappe and his family and, and Real Madrid since he was a teenager. He has had multiple opportunities to join them in the past. He's made no secret of, you know, his, his admiration for Madrid as a club, of his desire to, to one day play there. And I think just within the sort of wider football ecosystem, there has long been a feeling that at some point he will go to Madrid. Um, and it has occasionally seemed that the planets were aligning for that to happen, you know, most notably in, in 2022. And it didn't happen. But, you know, now it feels like this is this is the moment. Uh, and I think the fact that Madrid had their fingers burnt the last time they got this close means that were the deal not to go through now, I think we'd probably be looking at a, a point of, of of no return in terms of Mbappe's relationship with you know, with Florentino Perez, with the directors at Madrid and with Madrid's fans because, you know, Madrid's fans did not take kindly to having Mbappe uh, flutter his eyelashes at them for so long and particularly in that summer of 2022 only to then stay at PSG and, you know, the the, the kind of initial reaction from a lot of Madrid fans was was real anger. You don't do this to a club like Real Madrid. Who does he think he is? You know, he can stay at, at, in, at PSG and he can rot in Ligue 1 for all, for all we care. So water has has had to pass beneath the bridge um, for us to get to this point now where, you know, we are uh, coming up to two years on from that and, and people are prepared to, to forgive and forget. We know he's going to be paid less at Madrid than he was at PSG. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a step down for him salary-wise. Um, and, and does that mean that other clubs would find it easier to to afford him there's there's no transfer fee of course so there's always that possibility that things break down but w- these two entities Mbappe and Real Madrid have been slowly moving towards each other for years and this this does feel like you know this is when it's going to happen Carl is there an idea that as long as we've been waiting for this story to, to land or whether or not he was leaving PSG, that actually the, the player himself has outgrown this project. You look at the likes of Messi leaving, you look at the likes of the Galacticos, as to say, leaving. I mean, continuously, he is the club's top scorer, top goal scorer among Europe's top five leagues, 25 goals this season in 27 games, 21 already in league, uh, 41 goals in all competitions last season. Let's not forget the madness he did at the World Cup final. I mean... Is this a conversation around the Ballon d'Or, perhaps? Or can he still earn that at PSG? Because there have only been two in the history of the French League that, that have won the Ballon d'Or. I think it's interesting you call it a project rather than a football club in your question there. And this is what is really difficult to describe this because Paris Saint-Germain are not a conventional football club in the same way Brighton are or in the same way Accrington Stanley are right now. This is, this is a hugely well-moneyed club that is tied to the heart and soul of one of the greatest footballing hotbeds in the world. They're in the middle of a very intriguing legal battle with the Paris Council over the Parc de Prince, over their stadium, uh, where they will either leave their stadium, perhaps in the next couple of years, and build an entirely new one, or they might continually renovate the stadium that they don't properly own. Um, and then you've got Kylian Mbappe, who, I mean, if I'm perfectly honest with you, he's not a football player anymore. He is a, a global entity on par with an Olympics or on par with, with a World Cup. We do talk about Real Madrid having their fingers burnt on. The, that event and the whole spectacle leading up to it was similar to when multiple nations try and get a World Cup bid, right? So Keenan Mbappe now is so expensive 
as a football player that only a few nations can have him, much like hosting a World Cup or Olympics. There are huge questions over tax and, and wages and image rates and endorsement deals, much like an Olympics or a World Cup. There's conversation about possibly going to Saudi Arabia, much like the Olympics or a World Cup, right? It's I find it really hard to describe these things as projects because they're they're so vast in their scale. And Paris Saint-Germain went off and got Kylian first on a loan, but then on, on a 100 million plus deal from Monaco because they went, he was going to be our centerpiece of this project of PSG. And the idea was to win, a, to win a Champions League. And if they win the Champions League, they become a more legitimate footballing enterprise in the same way that you know, Chelsea took about a decade to win the Champions League. Manchester City took about a decade after their investment to win a Champions League. This is what clubs with foreign investors often with oil money, shall we say, do when they eventually make that rise is okay to now become a his old money football club or his historic football club in the same way as Real Madrid, in the same way as Bayern Munich, in the same way as other powers. We have to go and win a Champions League or two or three. And with Mbappe, it didn't work out. You know, that you had the final against Bayern Munich where they came close with Neymar. You had the Messi experiment, which didn't work because your front three just didn't press. Uh, and then you had what this experiment is in where Mbappe is now the captain. He's the centerpiece of a team. He's, I don't want to use the word indulged, but the team now works to get the most out of him because he's not having to play with his back towards goal because there's Gonzalo Ramos there. There's Randall Mouani there. The team is better balanced than it was previously. So this is, this is Mbappe's team this season. And yet he's still gone. Nah, nah, it's, it's not the things I want aren't going to happen here. And I don't see how PSG fix that unless they essentially win the Champions League this season and then make grand overtures as to how they're going to go back to back or three times in a row. Uh, I think that's difficult. Mbappe is the best football player in the French league. He's probably the best football player in most leagues in the world. But also he's so expensive that he seems on a very fixed trajectory. That means he has to go to one of these old money clubs, historic clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona can't afford him due to their financial situation. Bayern Munich are in flux and I don't think they can afford him. And the Premier League is the Premier League. And I'm not sure if Mbappe wants that mess right now. When we are talking about players on Mbappe's level, and you know there aren't that many players in, in that category, but we inevitably frame things with regard to the Ballon d'Or. Um, and it is, it's clearly easier to win the Ballon d'Or if you're playing for one of the Spanish superpowers or for one of the, you know, the big Premier League clubs or, or perhaps a Bayern Munich for clubs that are competing for the Champions League. That said, I think if, if France win the last World Cup, Mbappe almost certainly wins the Ballon d'Or off the back of it. Um, I, I don't think Messi wins it if, if Argentina don't win it. And, you know, France are this close to winning it. You know, if Randall Colomani's shot isn't saved, by Emmy Martinez in stoppage time. If the penalty shootout goes a different way, then then Kylian Mbappe is a two-time world champion at the age of 23, having scored the first hat-trick in the final since Jeff Hurst in 1966. And I think he would have been a shoe-in for the Ballon d'Or. So you can conceivably win the Ballon d'Or while still playing in Ligue 1, but it, it's, it's not all that straightforward. And I think for him to win it in a non-major tournament year or for him to win it for something that he doesn't do in the colours of his national team, he has to win the Champions League. And chances are he isn't going to do that with PSG, although he came extremely close in, in 2020 and he will have a better chance of, of doing that at, at Real Madrid. The only thing he hasn't achieved at PSG is winning the Champions League and that's probably not going to happen this season. So 
if he if he you know if he were to stick around what you know, what's he going to do win a few more french league titles win a few more you know top score awards i mean you know that's all great but as with you know a lot of the 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 modern greats in in all sorts of different sports they have a very clear idea of their legacy and what they need to do in order to be considered uh, an all-time great and you know it is it is a logical step for, at this stage of his career for him to you know for one to want to leave Paris at long last and, and, and go to Madrid. Tom, do you think PSG have indulged Mbappe too much in recent years? I think what happened in 2022 was pretty remarkable in terms of the size of the contract that they gave him and the amount of, of power he was given. We still don't know exactly what that looked like or what it looks like day to day. Um, sporting you know, influence the, was the sporting influence. Yeah, well, term. I mean, you know, Luis Campos being brought in—that was, you know, that was clearly done to appease Mbappe because you know he knew him from his time at, at Monaco. You know, if you look at where things were in 2022 and where they are now, 2022, he's sharing the spotlight with Neymar and and Messi, albeit he is, you know, very much the main man already at that point. Whereas as of last summer. Messi and Neymar both leave. He is the only star in town and, and the team is basically built for him. And, and, you know, Luis Enrique has kind of taken that to the next level in the last few months by moving Mbappe to centre forward. I guess, that, you know, the difficulty with PSG is everything just comes down to the Champions League. And if you think of it as like a flow chart, if the arrow doesn't point to PSG win the Champions League, uh, and the question is, you know, was this a successful decision? The answer is always no, because that is you know, everything that the club has done, basically since that summer of 2017, when Neymar and Mbappe arrive, has been so clearly focused on winning the Champions League that anything other than Champions League success, you know, inevitably ends up being perceived as a, as a failure. Had PSG won the Champions League with Mbappe, having given him all this power, they and probably everyone else in football would have thought, well, okay, it's it's worked out. And the fact that they haven't won that one trophy means that people will say, well, it it, it probably hasn't. So, yeah, you know, it's it it, it, it uh, we will probably that's need a more good time. Sound. That's that's answer enough. <laughs> to be honest, like that. that is the most articulate sound that I could find to 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 respond <laughs> to your question. Because I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There will be a huge void left from the departure of Kylian Mbappe. Um, let, let's get the let's get the boring stuff out of the way first, Tom. Um, FFP, right? PSG has spent a lot of money rebuilding this squad with a different sort of talent profile. What kind of 
approaches in the transfer market are we looking at with with sort of FFP in place for PSG coming up once Mbappe leaves? Well, PSG have to be very careful um, because they were punished by UEFA for financial fair play infringements in September 2022. They were given a 65 million euro fine, I think it was. With That's a slap uh, on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. And they only paid 10 million euros up front. The rest of it was uh, suspended. And the agreement with PSG was that they agreed a three-year settlement, which means that uh, for the three seasons following that announcement, PSG had to commit to breaking even. And that period runs until, I think I'm right in saying, 2026. Um, And if PSG failed to comply with the terms of that settlement they will open themselves to further punishments, which could, I mean, if it's fine, it'll be a slap on the wrist, but UEFA can theoretically impose limits on uh, the size of their squad in European competition, their ability to register new players. They could theoretically be kicked out of the Champions League. So they have that threat hanging over them. At the same time, on the sort of the financial side of things, PSU in a very healthy position currently. Uh, you know, last summer they spent a lot of money on new players, 300 million euros plus, but they made more money from player sales than I think they ever have. You know, they, they sold Neymar, they sold Marco Verratti, Julian Draxler. They got a lot of huge salaries off the books as well. Neymar's salary, Messi's salary, Sergio Ramos's salary, Verratti's salary, Draxler's salary. Mbappe's salary is going to be off the books. And, you know, there's talk of that being a 200 million euro difference in, in the PSG accounts. Uh, last month, they announced record revenues for 2022 23, 800 million euros plus for the first time. I think they were third in the De- Deloitte Money League behind Real Madrid and Man City. They're looking at a similar level of, of revenue for the current season, 23 24. So that, you know, and, and, you know, commercially, PSG are enjoying huge success. There is a, a more long-term question about how Mbappe's departure will, will affect that. But for the time being, PSG's commercial operation is very successful. So on the one hand, there's a lot of money there. And on the other hand, you've got the, the threat of potential FFP sanctions. So I think if PSG decide they want to spend big, I think they probably could. I think if they want to sign a sort of figurehead Mbappe replacement in inverted commas... I suspect they will be able to find the money to to do that. But this is not 2017 where PSG will just throw caution to the wind and kind of do whatever the hell they want. You know, they have had their wrists slapped. So there is a caveat to to the amount of money they have available. Carl, what does that figurehead signing look like then? Um, Victor Ossiman, perhaps? I mean... Okay, so we, we, you know, peek behind the curtain at the athletic. I I was going about my day last week and I get a Slack notification from one of the big bosses going, hello, all of you writers, uh, make the argument as to which player PSU should buy. Should it be Oshiman? Should it be Salah? Should it be Vinny Jr.? Should it be this one, that one? Loads of showbiz names. Uh, and there was uh, palpable crickets for about 10 minutes. Uh, and then I, I raised my hand in the back and I went, can I be an oink and say they shouldn't buy a striker? They should probably buy a defender. To which we had a piece on The Athletic, you can read it now, where... We had arguments for Oshiman. We had arguments for Mohamed Salah. But I, I made the argument that they didn't actually need an attacking player. I think Bradley Barcola is the future of PSG on the left wing. I think Usman Dembele has the right wing sorted out. I think they've got Gonzalo Ramos, Colomani up front. You've also got Hugo Ekateke 
who's on loan as well. Xavi Simmons is on loan at RB Leipzig. He can come back. He can play as a number 10 and on the right wing as well. My apologies to everyone listening. I've got any of those pronunciations wrong. But in my opinion, PSG are thoroughly stacked in the attacking positions. That's not the problem. The problem is I watched them play in the Champions League last week and I went, ooh, ooh. That, that centre-back partnership is not it. Marquinhos and Skriniar, they're not a Champions League winning centre-back partnership, in my opinion. Um, Danilo Pereira is now 32 years of age and he can't be relied to play top-level football week in, week out, especially in those Champions League games. They need bolstering in central midfield. They need a, a, a ball-carrying midfielder from deep, I believe. And they absolutely, positively need upgrades at centre-back. So my argument in the piece you can read in The Athletic was Bayern Munich situation is a little bit fluid. But I still think very, very highly of Matthias De Ligt. And I think, okay, he, he didn't do well at Juventus and didn't quite doing well at Bayern Munich. But what's what's one more extra super club to your CV? Uh, so I, I, I made the argument that Matthias De Ligt could be a good addition. I think, I still think on his day, he's a fantastic ball carrying centre-back. I think, okay, he's not rapid. He's not he's not hyper-mobile. But, but with the right coaching though, think about it. With the right coaching and the right system with Luis Enrique, you know, you don't have to run too much when you're defending, if you can also use possession as a defensive tool. Um, and I think he was slotting very, very well at Paris Saint-Germain. Liam Tham made the argument that uh, Frankie de Jong would also work. Uh, and then we had a back and forth about which other Ajax players could fit in there as well. So I don't I don't think PSG need to make a big showbiz Mbappe level signing. Uh, I think what they need to do is double down on what they're currently doing. You know, young players, preferably French or Parisian, to, to build that narrative around them right now. If you do want to get a striker, I'm going to be really annoying here. I'm sorry, Newcastle fans, but Alexander Isaac would fit in very nicely at Paris Saint-Germain. I, I, I don't know how that negotiation would go between Newcastle and Paris Saint-Germain there. But I, I don't, I think going out to get Mohamed Salah or going out to get Victor Oshiman or, or going out even to get someone like Rafael Leal, it would be a bit like when one of my dad's friends buys a supercar and gets a tattoo after a breakup. <laughs> Midlife crisis. You said it, not me. <laughs> Tom, though, um, I think someone would be really fascinating in this is a is someone who actually was brought in under the you know Mbappe's new contract in in Luis Campos, who's actually worked with the likes of you know Rafa Leal, uh, Victor Oshimin, uh as well in, in in France. But it's all dependent on him staying on if Mbappe leaves, right? And actually, the incomings could also have a, a, an impact based on whether he's still at the club. Yeah, and we don't know if he's still going to be at the club. We don't know how tightly his destiny is is bound to Mbappe's. And, you know, the other point that should probably be made is that, you know, since he came in, his his transfer dealings haven't been a complete success. I think what they did last summer was a lot more coherent than what they'd done the previous summer uh, because most of the players who, who Campos brought in in 2022 were either just complete flops or, you know, really took their time to find their feet. I think the business they did last summer was was more successful in that, you know, you've got players who've come into the team and settled more quickly. But at the same time, as ever with PSG, there was a real lack of coherence to what they did in that they spent 160 million euros or thereabouts on a pair of number nines Gonzalo Ramos and Randall Colomwani, who've both been stuck to the substitutes bench since November when Luis Enrique decided that he was going to start playing Mbappe at number nine. Um, and Bradley Barcola, who I was convinced was committing career suicide uh, when he left Lyon for PSG. 
has now become the new, you know, the new chouchou, the new darling of, of, of the Parc des Princes and has been absolutely sensational. Scored a cracking goal against Real Sociedad in, in the Champions League. So, yeah, you know, not a huge amount of evidence of, of joined up thinking on, on the transfer front. But, you know, since we're on the subject of Ramos and, and, and Colomwani, if PSG is serious about this shift in their approach and this move away from the bling-bling culture, from the superstar signings, as Carl said, they probably shouldn't sign anyone because they have the means already to align a very impressive-looking front three, even without Mbappe. You know, it's true that, that Colomwani and, and Ramos have both, you know, taken time to find their feet, uh, and it hasn't helped that neither of them have been, have been starting games of late. But on paper, at least, if you want a sort of young, hungry, all-French front line, then you just you play Barcola and Dembele and Colomwani together and you give them to, the time to, to strike up some kind of understanding. Um, and, and that would be, you know, that would also be a great way of showing that the superstar era is over, that, you know, they're not going to try and replace Mbappe. You know, they're going to use the players they already have. Okay, these, these aren't guys who've come out of the youth team. These are guys that they've spent big money on. But it's... You know, I, I think PSG have an opportunity to show that they're really serious about about not just going after superstars. But then at the same time, you know, when a big club loses a player with that kind of profile, that sense that they need replacing is always very prevalent. And that, that you know, there, there is a there's usually a desire from supporters to see that the club are serious about 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 signing a replacement. So I suspect PSG probably will look to make a big name attacking signing, even though. With the players they have already, they've certainly got enough firepower to, to win Liga at least. Um, and, you know, there's the potential there for a really interesting forward line that, that could go on and achieve great things in Europe as well. Carl, what about, you know, someone like Gavi de Jong, someone to make that sort of midfield tick as well, you know? And um, we've seen the influence of someone like Declan Rice uh, at Arsenal. Um, so that ball carrying sort of defensive midfielder. Another one to add to the list? Possibly. So, again, watching the Champions League last week, um, Samuel Ugarte. You, you want someone to win the ball and make tackles. He's your man. Uh, but you need, I think PSG will probably need someone next to him to help with the carries and whatnot. The unfortunate thing for PSG, to my mind, is if you are going to buy a non-striker, a lot of the premium players have moved. So, you know, we're talking now, I said, that they probably improved by a centre-back. I think the best centre-back to improve PSG already went last summer. So that's Kim. To, to buy Munich. And I think quite a few clubs are kicking themselves that they didn't get Kim and, and got let buy and get there. I think we've seen the Premier League a boom of these hybrid six, eight box to box holding pivots. So Declan Rice went for a lot of money. Uh, Enzo Fernandez went for a lot of money. Moses Caicedo went for a lot of money. So that'll be difficult as well. De Jong makes sense theoretically you know his weaknesses are he's not a single pivot defensive midfielder he wasn't not he's not the heir to Busquets as Barcelona thought but I think if you let him drop deep and he's already facing the goal and you go get the ball from this penalty area to the other penalty area he's one of the best in the world at that that's a very unique skill but also I think another big problem with PSG is as Tom's alluded to there's loads of players out there you could buy for 50 60 70 million and yeah you win you win the league hooray but also you want to win the Champions League, so how do you how do you get that unicorn player, especially at a time where necessarily if you want to win the Champions League, you don't actually do it by scoring loads of goals. I'm also talking right now, and I, I cannot tell you what the Swiss format Champions League how that's going to work tactically. 
that change from a group stage to those fixed league bits and then you get into the seeded draw. I don't know the impact that's going to have on tactics. I don't know the impact that's going to have on your approach. You know, do you want to peak really, really early and then possibly get a very good seeded draw or is it better to grow through the tournament as well? It seems as if the Swiss format Champions League is going to go out their way to make sure we don't get PSG versus Bayern Munich until the quarterfinals and semifinals, which makes me sad. But then that also, that probably increases the tension on teams like Bayern Munich and PSG. If you're going to steamroll your domestic league and you're not going to face a team of comparable difficulty or a team that can take 60% possession away from you until April, I'm pulling the face, right? Like, how, how do you buy a midfielder knowing that that midfielder is not really going to be important to your season until March? This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. Let's talk about what this club will look like without Kylian Mbappe, because despite being their club's talisman, is there a chance that PSG can actually thrive without him? Well, here's the Athletics' Liam Tharm on the tactical aspect the Frenchman's departure could have. I think there's a really interesting tactical repercussion to consider about how PSG might play uh, without Kylian Mbappe. Now, he's, of course, been... Uh, their star man this season, as he has been in previous seasons, particularly in their post-Galacticos era. Um, he scored 40% of their league goals this season, by far and away the top scorer in Ligue 1 with 21 goals. Only Alex Lacazette at Lyon uh, has scored a higher proportion uh, of his team's goals, so really, really central. But it's been an interesting balance of how Luis Enrique has actually tried to fit him in. He's kind of undergoing a bit of a Barcelonification, if you like, of, of PSG, trying to implement quite a strict 4-3-3 in terms of positional play. But regardless, Mbappe is sort of a low-touch player. He doesn't give the control and the organisation that Luis Enrique wants. He's more of a chaos player. He's a player that will make a difference in moments, not throughout the whole game. And this really showed earlier on this season in a 3-0 away win for PSG around. Mbappe scored all three goals, did the fewest touches of any PSG player to start the game. Only Donnarumma, the goalkeeper, had fewer across the, the whole starting eleven. And Luis Enrique came out after the game and said... He needs more from Mbappe, not in terms of goals, obviously, but in terms of actually contributing to the team and being more involved in sequences in terms of build-up play, because he doesn't do a whole lot of defending either. And it's kind of slightly at odds, really, with the style that Luis Enrique wants to implement. So PSG are, of course, going to suffer. They've lost their golden boy. They've lost their key talisman. But it wasn't really the perfect player in the first place. Whether this is right or wrong, now you get into a philosophical debate um, of Luis Enrique's style, which I think is a broader discussion we've seen elsewhere, particularly with Manchester City in recent seasons. Yeah, thanks for that, Liam. 
I mean, that that it makes a really good point. Um, the departure of Mbappe, you know, this kind of chaotic style player under a very solid, strict Luis Enrique potentially will allow this manager to really show what he can do with this new style PSG once Mbappe leaves, Carl. Yes, the PSG should be a more coherent team. And we've seen this already as they've, you know, as Messi's left, as, as Neymar left, the front press is better. They are better at retaining the ball. You can dispute as to whether or not they're more fun to watch, but they make more sense. I think the interesting thing Liam's done there is, you know, you want to throw it forward. Everything is used to describe Mbappe about a player, you know, chaos moments, not taking too many touches. If we are to assume he's going to go to Real Madrid, that makes more sense. We look at Carlo Ancelotti. Ancelotti's not a manager of of rigid tactical systems anymore. You know, he, he used to love the four four two, but then he, as he changed the, his time at Parma and AC Milan, became very very good at just facilitating talent and letting talent blossom. We're seeing Jude Bellingham right now in this false nine ish uh, system at the top of a midfield three where he pushes up, which is which is fantastic for Jude Bellingham. So yes, Mbappe at Real Madrid, chaos player in a team where the manager's not so strict about the zones of control you need to be in, should work. There are also questions as to how does Mbappe work where I'm, and again, Tom, please yell at me here if I'm wrong. I'm going to assume Vinicius Jr. is still going to take the left-hand side. I'm going to assume Bellingham's probably going to be the number 10-ish at Real Madrid. And if you put Mbappe up front as the centre forward, which I think is quite interesting now, if if we take Luis Enrique using Mbappe as the nine, could that be interpreted as training Mbappe? for Real Madrid, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good point. And it's not it's not um, a point that's been made very much with regard to where Mbappe is playing at the moment. But Luis Enrique is, is kind of doing him a bit of a favour in putting him through the middle because that is the only place where he could conceivably slot into the team at Madrid. And I've seen lots of kind of potential Real Madrid starting 11s uh, on Twitter over the last few days generally made by breathlessly excited Real Madrid fans where you've got Vinicius Jr. on the left and Rodrigo on the right and Mbappe up front and Bellingham in the number 10 position. I mean, it sounds incredible, but I wonder how workable that would prove to be. And I wonder whether, if Mbappe goes to Madrid, whether they might end up playing with someone like Federico Valverde on the right-hand side just to try and balance things out. Because I I don't think... I mean, I'd love to see it. Like I would, don't get me wrong. I would love to see uh, a front four of Mbappe, Vinicius, Rodrigo, Bellingham. Uh, you know, with a Chouameni, Camavinga midfield behind, and Modric and, and Cruz being rotated <sighs> in and out. Stop it! Stop um, it, Tom! Stop it! But I just, I wonder, I wonder about about the balance. So yeah, I'm sure that'll be something that that Ancelotti has. In mind, if and when Mbappe ends up at Madrid, of course. Well, fitting him into the team if he leaves is definitely something Luis Enrique doesn't have to worry about. So I'm just thinking, you know, as a, as a coach who's won the Champions League with Barcelona, you know, in terms of this long-term strategy, Tom, you know, you, you think about the power dynamics that are happening at PSG right now. You've got this bumper player with a fair bit of control now leaving. Manager's literally rubbing his hands going, actually... Thank goodness I can make my decisions now. And you can imagine actually the real test of Enrique's tenure at PSG can now be marked once Mbappe leaves. Yeah, although I guess as a counterpoint to that, you know, Luis Enrique feels like he has more authority than 
some other more recent PSG coaches in that he's allowed to publicly criticise Mbappe, which is not something that Christophe Galtier or Mauricio Pochettino would have ever done. He's allowed to bench him. You know, it was Luis Enrique's decision to put PSG on the bench at Nantes at the weekend. I mean, with their conversation with the directors, you know, potentially, but this is a decision that has been explained as something that Luis Enrique decided. And I think his status as you know, the guy that, that led Barcelona to the treble, his his past as a player gives him a sort of, you know, a, an authority that, that other recent PSG coaches haven't had. And, you know, the, the kind of the mood music around PSG ever since Luis Enrique arrived has been that, you know, we are no longer a club that is obsessed by the Champions League. Uh, you know, this is a different kind of project now. It's about you know, finding players who are younger and hungrier and more humble um, and giving the manager time to put a project in place. And Luis Enrique is on course to have a very successful season in the sense that PSG are streaking clear at the top of Ligue 1, still in contention in the Coupe de France, will probably get past Real Sociedad in the in the Champions League, although this being PSG and the Champions League, you can never be entirely sure of that. And I think I think given the amount of upheaval there's been over the last you know twelve months, I think a quarter final showing for PSG this season is probably about par. I don't think there'll be any wailing and, and gnashing of teeth if they go out in the quarters to you know, one of one of the big guns in the way there has been in recent seasons, unless, of course, it's another sort of classic PSG meltdown. So, yeah, I, I don't think Luis Enrique has had to kind of grapple with player power to the same extent that his immediate predecessors did. And yeah, I think, you know, Mbappe leaving will make it even easier for him uh, in that you you take him out of out of the PSG squad and there aren't any superstars left and, 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 and you're left with a much more malleable group of players. Well, when you think about new eras then, I'm also thinking about new eras for League 1. You lose, in terms of marketing, a global star. I mean, you've lost the Messi, you've lost the Neymar and correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, you know, I, I think League 1 have, have even struggled to get broadcasting rights for, for, for the league I, I, in general. I mean, what kind of a loss is this, firstly, for PSG, but also for, for the league in general? Yeah, I, I think in, in many ways, it's potentially a bigger loss for the league than it is for PSG in purely marketing terms, because I think what PSG have succeeded in doing over the last few years is reposition themselves as a lifestyle brand, which is why there is a PSG boutique on Oxford Street, which is mad, which is why you see kids, you know, walking around London with PSG shirts. And I'm not going to lie. I'm wearing PSG tracksuit bottoms right now. <laughs> there we go. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm a child of the 90s and the, the Jordan brand Jumpman partnership very much pushed my buttons, especially after I finished watching The Last Dance. Uh, their partnership with Prince was utterly bizarre. I, I can't imagine the artist formerly known as Prince, the artist now known as Prince, the late departed Prince, would be interested in, in Paris Saint-Germain's footballing project. And yet they've got, uh, they had a fruitful partnership all based around the colour purple there. It works pushing PSG as a lifestyle brand. And they are they have done to a degree on things that Chelsea have done, to, to a degree things that Manchester City have done. Something that was interesting to me last season was last season, you know, walking around the city of Manchester was the first time I really saw City shirts with Haaland. You know, Haaland 9 became far and above the top selling City shirt, whereas a lot more times you walked around Manchester the last couple of years, you'd see the brother sponsored 
city shirt. This is what you have to do to to become that sort of global advertising mega power. You, you've got to get more corporate. You've got to sign these odd deals. You've got to have your your football players stood holding uh, some form of condiment in, in South Korea or in China. And PSG have tapped into that very very well. And I think yes, they have the the financial backing that few football clubs in the world can do. But they're also made a number of smart footballing decisions off the field. I think we're talking right now about what's their plans for the Champions League and whatnot. I and mean, if we're all in agreement, they're not going to win the Champions League this year. They intend to win the Champions League next year. Hashtag slash asterisk footnote. The Super League is always like a latent threat to everything. Um, so <sighs> Tom, I know you said that there was a threat of FFP considerations and possibly getting sanctions in Europe. I don't think that's happening, especially when you consider Khalifi's role in UEFA now post Super League implosion. Like PSG, even after losing Mbappe, PSG are going to be one of the most important clubs in the future of European football between now and, and the 2030 World Cup. PSG have very successfully repositioned themselves as a lifestyle brand. And I think, you know, there's good reason to think that people will carry on buying their merchandise, even if the superstars have gone. There are other marketing deals that it would be more difficult to preserve um, if uh, sponsors know that it's not going to be Mbappe, Messi, Neymar wearing, you know, the shirt or or, or or whatever. But it's it's even harder for, for the league and there is a, a TV rights, a domestic TV rights negotiation going on currently. Vincent Lebrun, who is the president of the Ligue de Football Professionnel, uh, has been derided somewhat for having announced the ambition of making a billion euros um, for domestic and overseas broadcast rights because the deal that the league struck with MediaPro valued the the rights around that figure that of course that deal collapsed during uh the covid pandemic and it's you know the lfp was left to pick up the pieces it's very hard to sell the league anywhere when you don't have those superstars uh to point to there will always be an audience for french football within france and i think i think the league will probably get somewhere near the kind of figures they're looking for um, in terms of domestic TV rights. But France's big problem has been overseas TV rights. That's where it pales by comparison with not just the Premier League, because every other league pales by comparison with the Premier League, but with Serie A, with Bundesliga, with championships that Ligue 1 would like to think it could potentially compete with. It's because people outside France don't want to watch French football. And if they didn't want to watch French football when Mbappe and Messi and Neymar were there, it's hard to see why they would tune in other than have the goodness of their own heart when all three of them have gone. So it is it is potentially a, a big issue for, for the French game in a wider sense. Gents, let's end it there. Carl, Tom, thanks so much for your time as usual. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And we'll be back for another episode tomorrow. Appreciate you listening. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Guy Clark, Mike Stavro and Jay Beal and the executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.